It is easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. Frederick Douglass. Just a good old boy, trying to be a good old man, out here learning on the fly, trying to do the best I can. Hello, faithful fathers and faithful spouses of fathers, perhaps, or men who are wanting to be fathers, whoever you are and whyever you are here, we are Brett and Perry, uh, hosts, co-hosts of the Faithful Fatherhood podcast. What I love about this podcast is that we are hearing from some of you guys that it's not just fathers listening to this podcast. Uh, again, wives are listening to it, and and lots of. You know, I have a buddy of mine who texted me said, "I love the topics you guys are talking about." I'm not even a father. I mean, this guy's in his early 20s, not even married yet, and he's listening to this podcast in Norway. Uh, so I just love that about this. Whoever you are, wherever in the world you are, we invite you or we welcome you. We thank you for being here and sharing your time. Where on this episode, we are going to go deep on what I really believe is a foundational verse for fathers and specifically for what we're doing here at Faithful Fatherhood. I will get back to that and give a little bit more introduction and then sort of dive in here in a moment. But let me first welcome Perry. How are you doing this week? I'm doing great, Brett. Uh, thanks for asking. I'm really fired up to be here this morning. Uh, as we prayed before the podcast, uh, it's been kind of a wild morning for each of us in our own different ways. And um, I just want to uh, pre-frame that we've, I'm not in my office right now. I'm down at the reception desk in our business. And I've got a uh, contractor coming in to do a little mini split install later today in the office. But I think he'll probably be on the other side of things. But if you guys hear some banging and clanging in the background, that's what it that's what it most likely is. But yeah, I'm doing great this morning. I was able to um, sit at the office window. I was here early today and, and watch the sunrise. And man, what a beautiful painted picture it was. You know, we serve a, a tremendous artist. Uh, Yahweh, God, the Lord is is so creative and amazing in all that he does. So uh, yeah, I'm happy to be alive today and happy to be sitting here with you. Very cool for you to point that out. One of my favorite things to do, I drive my my boys to school. It's a blessing. You know, often I, I think, man, it'd be so much easier if I could just throw them onto a school bus and have that extra time in the morning. But then it's like, no, this is, I mean, precious time that I get to spend with my kids. And a lot of the fathering moments I do with my kids are driving them to and from school because it's an opportunity to talk every single day and debrief about things and, and, and father them. But but we regularly see beautiful sunrises on the way to school, and I'm always trying to point that out so that they appreciate those yeah. things as well. So that's cool that you got to see one. I did not see a sunrise this morning, but uh, but yeah, thank you for sharing that. Well, let's go ahead and actually quickly dive in with our our quick wins from the week. Uh, and and I was actually reflecting on this. You know, we've been calling them small wins or small wins from the week or quick wins from the week, but. But there are really no such thing as small wins when you're thinking about a win in our fatherhood. Right. So I think I'm going to drop that term and just call it wins from the week. You know, to use a sports analogy, whether you win by one point or fifty points, it's still a win. You have won. You have won. And uh, yeah. And I think every little win, big win, they're all wins in our fatherhood journey. Man, that's just that's something to be celebrated. And so uh, we always try to intentionally think about, hey, what did this last week look like? And and it's easy to be hard on ourselves as fathers sometimes, sure. and acknowledge and see the areas where we have fallen short. But let's talk about maybe where we stepped up to the plate and and did well. Do you have any wins from the week? I do. <clears throat> I took. Ruby on a little mini date. Um, I like to do one-on-one -on -one time with each of the kids. Um, if you're new to the podcast, I've got four, three boys and then a girl. And it's my objective, it's my goal to get a little one-on-one -on -one time with each kid uh, once a week. And Ruby and I got to go on a little mini date. It was awesome. Um, I offered the idea of going out to lunch and she really wanted to go to Walmart and buy a little RC car with her own money, um, something she had bought previously and something on it broke. It's been broken for quite a long time and she, you know, wanted to get another one. And so I let her choose, Hey, do you, I don't, you know, I told her, I said, look, I don't have time in my schedule to go out to lunch and then also go on a Walmart run, but I'm happy for us to eat lunch here and then go to Walmart. Or, uh, you could skip the Walmart idea and we can go out to eat. And she chose, 
eat lunch at home and run to Walmart and buy herself a little RC car. And we had some great quality time together, turned on uh, a little playlist that we have on uh, the music, Apple Music, and jammed out windows down and just had a real quality one-on-one time together. It was super fun. That's awesome. I spent uh, some sleeping time with Declan. <laughs> Let me explain. So <laughs> so I put Declan, he's my three-year-old, and he, you know, I, I'm usually the one to do his bedtime for various reasons, which again, I love. I love story time. He's getting a little bit more challenging as he gets older. Um, used to just be able to plop him on my lap, read a story, and put him to bed, but now he's got his own opinions and doesn't want to go to sleep and all of those types of things. Um, but he often asks me to rest with me, Daddy, and, and I do. I always sort of lay down with him for a minute or five minutes sometimes or, or whatever. And then I get up and leave and I have a million things to do at night as we all do to pack lunches and wrap up work and, and deal with the other boys and all of that type of stuff. Uh, earlier this week though, he said, can you just sleep with me all night? I was like, ah, I don't know, buddy. I don't think I could do it all night. And well, why not? And, but anyway, I just committed. I, I, I said, I will sleep with you all the way until you actually fall asleep. So I laid in bed with him for probably a half hour, which was just a lot of fun no just way. sitting there next to him. And, you know, in the back of my mind, it's like, man, I have so many things I need to be doing. This is going to delay me actually going to sleep. And but I was like, you know what? He He's asking for it. He wants it. I don't have that much longer in life probably where I can curl up in bed next to my three-year-old and, and just kind of go to sleep with him. And so maybe maybe I'll elevate it one day in the future and literally just sleep through the night in his bed. I don't know how my wife will feel about that. But uh, <laughs> this week, at least, I slept about a half hour with him until I, I knew he was actually asleep and, and then got up and, and went, with, went on the rest of my evening. So that was kind of, that was fun. And I consider it a win because I just I said yes to something that he wanted. Yeah, that's awesome. So let us turn our attention to Ephesians 6.4. Earlier, you know, really ever since we launched Faithful Fatherhood, the Faithful Fatherhood podcast, I've been thinking about and really praying about asking God for some sort of a foundational verse, idea, quote, something to sort of anchor what we're all about here at Faithful Fatherhood. I know I know what we're about. We shared in episode number one of the podcast. If you haven't listened to that yet, go back and listen to that. Really our heart for what we're trying to do and accomplish and the vision and the mission of what Faithful Fatherhood is all about. But I was actually sitting in church uh, last Sunday and just praying about it. Lord, give me, you know, give me something. Do you have something for me? And I felt I just I just felt him direct me toward Ephesians six four. It was a verse that I'm sure I have read at some point, but I honestly don't remember it very well. Maybe I don't remember ever having read these instructions in this verse for fathers. I always paid attention to the verse that came right before it, which we'll talk about here when we get to it, where he is uh, giving instruction to children, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) children obey your parents. (laughs) So it's like, I love that verse. I've always paid attention to that verse, but, but not this verse, Ephesians 6, 4. (laughs) And so I was like, okay, this, like, this is it. I think, I think this is it. You know, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. And I came home and I texted Perry and and Perry, your immediate response was like, yes, exclamation point, right? I mean, you resonate with this verse as a father? Yeah. Oh yeah. I was, I was stoked when you sent me that. It's a verse that I haven't focused on much recently, but it is a verse that I've spent a lot of time meditating on, marinating on, thinking about what does that mean? It's it's a verse that the Holy Spirit has used in the past to convict to convict me when I've missed the mark, you know, and it's a, a verse that clearly there is, you know, you when, when you wake up in the morning before you head out, usually most of us will take a glance in the mirror, right? And oftentimes I think scripture can be like that mirror for us. And um there's it gives us a picture of a little red flag you know, um, uh, it's a, it's a dink, you know, notification. If we are missing that mark, there's, there's evidence on how we're missing that mark. And so for me, it's a verse I've spent a lot of time thinking on, uh, praying over striving to follow and obey. So when you sent that to me, I was very familiar with it and I was jacked. I was so pumped over it. And I think it's the perfect verse to kind of be a cornerstone for, what we're striving to do here on the podcast, you know, in our own lives. And then also to share the journey with, with all the listeners. So yeah, I'm, I'm pumped for it. 
Well, let's break it down. And one of the great things about God and his word is that his word is alive. The Bible's yes. clear on that. And so I'm going to be interested to hear and see if if maybe your thoughts on it today are different than maybe the last time you said it's been a while right. since you've meditated on it and really reflected on it. Is it hitting you different with where you are in your fatherhood journey today? Let me read it for you guys. So we've been sort of talking abstractly about this verse, Ephesians 6, 4. What does it actually say? And and for you guys, the listeners, as you're maybe hearing it for the first time, or maybe you're very familiar with the verse and know exactly what it says, how is it hitting you? How does it hit you when I, when I read it? So uh, here's the verse in the NIV, New International Version. Um, but we're going to talk about some different translations as well. And then we're just going to, we're just going to sort of break it down and, and share some reflections that we have about this verse and how it is, how, how we see it playing out in our own lives, where we feel like we have growth in our own lives as fathers. I know I have a lot of, a lot of thoughts about ways that maybe I'm not living up to the, this verse, but other ways that I am. But here's the verse, Ephesians 6, 4, it says, fathers. Do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. What a great verse. Clear, yeah. to the point, short, yep. right? Yep. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Pretty clear instruction. Instead, here's what we are to do. Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. All yeah. Right. So the way I the way I sort of think about this verse, and I always like to read for context. So I'll talk about sort of what's going on in the verses around this verse and and why I think that matters. But let's just sort of dissect it and look at really what I see as sort of four key aspects of this verse. It's not a very long verse, but I think there are four distinct parts of it. And the very first part of it is that first word, fathers. And so Maybe there's not a whole lot to say here, but but that should get our antennas to go up. I mean, when we're reading the word, when we're reading the Bible, when we're just thinking, I mean, if something clearly says fathers, it's for us to pay attention to, right? So who is this verse directed to? Guys, if you have kids, this is instruction is for you. It's pretty straightforward, right. I think. Uh, but But the one thing I did want to just point out, and I alluded to this earlier, is the context. So earlier in chapter 6, Ephesians 6, it starts with children obey your parents in the Lord. And I said that that's something I, I'm very familiar with. You know, I, I coach baseball and this past year I coached at a church league and they had us do a devotional with with the kids after every practice. And, and so that was sort of fun for me. And I remember uh, one of the verses that we were supposed to do as a devotional with the kids was this verse, like, children, obey your parents. And I, I was like, yes, I get to talk to the kids about this and tell them to go home and obey their parents and respect their parents and honor their parents and blah, 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 blah. And, uh, and I made sure my own kids knew that they're supposed to obey mom and dad. And yeah, but then right after it, you know, Paul, Paul is the one writing the letters to the Ephesians. This is a letter from the Apostle Paul uh, to the Ephesians. And he's first talking to children. Children do this. But then right afterwards, it's fathers. Okay, now I, now I have a word for you, right? And sometimes I think it's easy to maybe miss that, skip over that human nature. It's like, sure. let's, let's focus outward. Let's focus on what our kids have to do to please me. Let's, you know, earlier in the verse as well, wives and husbands. Oh, let me focus on what my wife has to do in submitting to me. Like, well, but no, I mean, I love what you, how you started the whole thing, Perry. It's like that mirror. Well, what about me? What about my role as husband? What about my role as father? Right. right. And so so that's the first thing to seize in on, you know, and then he'll tell us what we're supposed to do and not supposed to do and so forth. But but the very first thing is just to remind myself, like, this is a word for me as yeah. a father. That's right. And I think it's neat, too, that husbands and wives come first in the verse and children and fathers come second. I think it's easy oftentimes for us as men to go and probably, you know, women and mothers, too. But sometimes it's easier for a parent to focus in on what they're supposed to be doing with their child and almost prioritize that over the marriage relationship. And I think it's important to recognize that, hey, fathers, men, if you're a husband, then, you know, in my opinion, our 
priority first is our relationship with God himself. Second is our relationship with our wives. And third is our relationship and interactions with our children. And so that's something that I actually physically write that out in my daily planner every day. It's Jesus first, Nancy second. Each I write each one of my kids' names down third. And I think that's an important thing to maybe, you know, make note of today too, as we dive heavy into this fatherhood role, obviously we're on the faithful fatherhood podcast. That's what our main focus is. Um, but it is important that we as men are seeking the Lord first, uh, growing and maintaining a healthy relationship with our wives second and third, uh, being the best darn fathers we can be to our kids, you know? Yeah, you're exactly right. And I actually love that you went back even further in Ephesians and highlighted that. And quick teaser, we actually have a guest lined up for an upcoming episode where we are going to be talking about exactly that, how our relationship with our wives impacts positively or negatively our our fathering. And you're exactly right. Our relationship with our wives needs to come first. But here we are in Ephesians 6, uh, 6, 6-4, now looking at, okay, Great. Let's let's focus on our relationship with our wives, children. You have some responsibilities, but we fathers have some responsibilities as well. And what is that responsibility? And so then the verse continues. So sort of the second part to unpack is what comes immediately afterwards, which is a do not. It's an admonition. Do not exasperate your children. One of those big fancy GRE words in my other life. (laughs) Some of you don't actually know what I do for a living. I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast. I actually own a test prep company. uh, So I teach people how to take standardized tests, including the GRE, which has a heavy vocabulary uh, component. So I'm always, you know, talking about big vocabulary words with my students. So exasperate, that's one of those big GRE words. (laughs) And uh, I'm just going to sort of read you guys the dictionary.com definition, but then we're going to sort of tease out some different translations from the original Greek and and just sort of what this means to not exasperate our kids. So according to dictionary.com, exasperate means, quote, to irritate or provoke to a high degree, Mm. to annoy extremely. (laughs) I love that, right? So, So do not irritate your kids. Do not annoy your kids. And there's a degree of extremity, like don't annoy them extremely. Don't provoke to a high degree. Like exasperating is going above and beyond in how much we're irritating or annoying them, provoking them to anger. Uh, some of the, I'll actually let you, Perry, maybe talk about some of the other translations. By the way, when you read the Bible, just this is just pure curiosity sure. on my part, what version do you use, you usually use? Well, I go back and forth. Uh, sometimes I'm on English Standard Version. I've I've read that for a long time because it's uh, pretty, very like uh, pragmatic, almost literal. You know, as literal as you can, and still understand it. Translation. I really love the message. The message is hard sometimes to read as a standalone. So sometimes I'll use the message as a kind of um, you know icing on the cake or you know an, an extra version. Um, but NIV um, ESV is really kind of been my go-to for the last few years. ESV and and the message together really is something I like to do a lot of. Um, and uh, one of the uh, versions I'm looking at is, is fathers do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So <clears throat> that provoking to anger goes exactly along with that, you know, dictionary definition of um, exasperate, you know what I mean? Yes. So how do you, let's get practical here because, okay, so this is what it's telling us to do or, or not do specifically. Is this an issue for you personally? Do you feel like you do anger your children? Do you provoke them to anger? And I guess the better question would be how, how, and if maybe not you specifically, but what are some common ways you think fathers in general might provoke their kids to anger? Yeah, I think I've got two that come to mind, you know, right off the bat. But first, I want to make sure we clarify. It doesn't say fathers don't allow your children to be angry. You know what I mean? So it's not saying that we are in control of our children's emotions. Of course, they're going to get angry. Of course, they're going to wild out. Of course, they're going to be exasperated. But it's saying don't provoke them. Don't stimulate that. Don't be the sole cause of it. And so, you know, that might be something to miss if we don't really um, flesh that out and say it specifically. 
you know, your kids are going to get angry. Um, they even might be angry with you because they don't like a decision that you make. We're not called to be our kids' best friends. You know what I mean? We're not, yes, we are called to be friends with them, but we're not merely their playmates. We're not, we're not merely their, you know, uh, companions in that way. We are the authority. So they're going to probably be angry with us sometimes. They're not going to like it if we say, oh, you want an iPhone 47? Sorry, kid. You know, you're three years old. You don't get to have that. Right. So they might be upset about that. They're not going to like everything we do. So I, I clearly think that the scripture, it's not saying they can't be angry with us at all, but it's saying, don't, don't, don't poke the bear. Don't be irritating them. Don't be angering them. Don't be, you know, getting them riled up for that purpose. And I think, you know, off the bat, there's two main ways that I think happen. One is, um, being over too overbearing or too controlling, um, you know, along and kind of along with that is like expecting perfection, you know, from your kids is going to create, you know, exasperation in them because they can't live up to your standard. And then I think another one that happens a lot is like, uh, being disengaged, you know, um, not being there enough, not being present enough, you know, that can create some real frustration in a kid's heart and, and spirit and mind. If they're wanting this attention from their dad and he's like sucked into a phone, he's sucked into work, he's sucked into whatever. And that kid just wants some, some quality time, some QT, you know, some hang, some attention, some validation. So I think those are kind of two, two main things that, you know, are forefront in my mind. Um, we can either dive into, you know, one of those, or if you've got something to add to those two, you know, we can add a third or fourth or whatever, and then go a little deeper dive. What do you think about that? Those are great. And I think building on that, my kids in particular tend to get exasperated when they don't feel like they're being heard. So you're talking about them not maybe getting the attention that they want. If they don't feel heard, they get exasperated. Mm, and that, and so the way I do that, the way I provoke that is by talking over them. Yep. Uh, so, and I love how you set it up. You're, you're exactly right. It's the, it's the provocation that becomes the issue. And, and I would just, I would just encourage men listening to sort of visually be on the lookout for signs that they are getting irritated. And I, I have been so tuned into it really ever since sort of the Lord brought me to this verse is I will literally see it happening and unfolding before my eyes. So I'll be in a conversation. Maybe one of them will start to get a little bit mad. And instead of pulling back, I push the buttons and I keep going and they're trying to get a word out and I just talk right over them and I shut them down and I shut them up and you will listen to me first. And they just start, it's like, it's like one of those old cartoons where like the steam's coming out of their ears (laughs) and you can like, you can visibly see it happening. That's right. And I keep plowing forward. Yeah. Like, like what's going on? Like, why? What's going on in my heart? Why do I need to push those buttons and provoke them to anger? Mm-hmm. Pull back. Let's stop. Take a deep breath. Let Jackson have his say. Let Benjamin have his say. Now, I have always tried, and, and I do think I do a, a good job of it as a father, as a parent, my wife and I both, as always giving our kids an opportunity to share their side eventually. But it's when in the moment I'm shutting them down. I'm not letting them talk. I'm talking over them. I will dish out punishment and send them to the room before they have, I have heard their side of the story. Okay. I mean, that might be fine. I will go, you know, I'll go up there eventually and okay, Jackson, now I'm ready to listen. Like, tell me what's going on. Yeah, but I've already punished him. I've already sent him to timeout. I've already taken away screen time. I've already, I've already disciplined before hearing his side of the story. Okay, well, that's angering him. That's exasperating him. He has stormed up the steps to completely pissed off at me. And I provoked that. Yep. So to me, I think in my own parenting, that's really sort of what comes comes to mind in terms of ways that I exasperate my children. Yeah, 100%. And I think to piggyback on that, you know, they not feeling heard is a is a key component to that. And we maybe not in the heat of the moment where it's, you know, and I think what you're talking to is, is feeling a a chip in the authority armor, Mm. feeling a a chip in the, you must respect me armor. I know when I tend to go down that road, it's if I'm feeling 
disrespected or, you know, a lack of them honoring the, the role that I have and I play in their lives as that, you know, father authority. And so I think for me, it helps to know what triggers me to push into that um, where I'm doing like what you're talking about, not giving them a chance to get a word in, you know, whatever, boom, 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 going down that path. If I can begin to recognize that whatever they've just done to trigger me in um, disrespecting me or, you know, whatever. And if I can notice that, it helps me recognize it and go, well, you know, I am the father figure. Of course, I want to train my kids to be respectful towards me, but my authority over them isn't contingent on whether they speak to me respectfully or not. Right. I have that role. That's right. And they, they don't get to give or take it away from me. I am it. It's my role. It's my God given, you know, gifts and, um, you know, responsibility in their, in their lives. So, so I think that's one aspect of it, knowing that that's what kind of triggers me is that feeling of disrespect or dishonoring. And then two, another, another side of that coin that I want to bring up is oftentimes if we minimize their feelings or if we do the opposite of, you know, validating the goal is to validate a feeling. Um, and I think if, even if we're not at that stage of escalation, like what you were describing, I think that kids can, cannot they can feel unheard, uh, by adults that minimize what they're going through. And I think sometimes as fathers, you know, it's like the kids crying over, you know, uh, their brother eating the last bite of cereal. And it's like, who freaking cares, dude, you're talking about, you know, a cereal, it's no big deal. Well, it is to them. Right. And, and sure. We need to not let them grow up and continue to just cry about little things or be upset about little things that don't actually matter. But in that moment, they haven't grown past that yet. So a lot of the ways I like to think about it, um, is their capacity. And so one thing that helps me be more validating towards others that may have a lesser capacity than me is to understand that this is their max capacity. You know what I mean? If I was taking my kid to work out and he's bench pressing a hundred pounds and you know, that's his capacity is, you know, three sets of five at a hundred. I'm not going to be like, God, why don't you put some more weight on the bar? You sissy. You know what I mean? No, he's doing max capacity. I'm going to be praising him, encouraging him. So, man, good job. You know, way to go. Keep it up. Let's go. One more, one more rep, push it out, bud. You're doing great. And so I think it's easy to, to be accepting of someone having a lower capacity in something like weightlifting or they're a white belt in jujitsu or they're a beginner at soccer or whatever. But then with emotional things, we think our kids should have the capacity of an adult. And so I think recognizing their level of capacity also helps us validate them, which helps them feel heard, which is the opposite of being provoked, you know, to anger. So that's another, you know, aspect of that reality as well. And that's how I see it playing out with my three-year-old because I can provoke him to anger. I'm like, he's only three years old. Yeah, but it's when I don't acknowledge what he's feeling as a three-year-old. He'll be fussy. He'll be, you know, sure. and now it's okay. It's time to deal with that. And I'll say, Declan, you know, you're fussing. No, I'm not. And he's crying, Declan. You are literally fussing right now. No, I'm not. Why are you so fussy? No. And the more I push that, like you're fussy, then he gets even madder and even fussier. And now he's like hyperventilating. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, okay, let me acknowledge how he's feeling. Let me come at it from a slightly different way. Guys, you can even provoke a two-year-old and a three-year-old anger. So it's a matter of being conscious of that. <laughs> I got a funny story that I, I wasn't planning on sharing, and, and I'll try to make it brief. But Fire away. When Liam, when Liam was like literally like months old, I mean maybe four months old, uh, you know, he was upset, you know, and I was bouncing him, swinging him, trying to calm him down. He's crying, he's crying, he's crying, and I'm trying to give him a passing, he does, a pacifier, and he doesn't want it. And I'm just cramming that passy like in his face, in his lips, you know, whatever. And we're like having this battle. He's like spitting it out. I'm putting it in his mouth and like holding it against his lips, you know, because I'm, I'm he doesn't want to go to sleep or whatever it is. And I know that if he takes that pacifier, he's going to actually, you know, we've had difficult babies. So I'm, I'm, you know, this is my second kid. By this point, I'm like, feel pretty, you know, confident at, okay, I know this kid needs to sleep. I'm going to make this happen. The kid is like literally months old and I'm forcing it, forcing it, forcing it. Finally, I, I get the passy in and he, he, you know, and he seems like he's going to take it. I take my hand away. He's in my arm, you know, kind of in my chest, cradling him. He turns his head away from me, spits the passy out of his mouth, 
looks back at me and just, you know, like, like blood curdling, boiling scream. Like, and at that point I went, okay, (laughs) we've got our hands full with this one. You know, I think Nancy was somewhere else in the house, maybe in the kitchen. And I I walked out and said, babe, I said, we got a strong willed one on our hands right here on this one, you know? And she's like, what are you talking about? And I told her and she's like, oh yeah, right. Whatever. And I'm like, no. Because he didn't seem old enough to have that level of, you know, awareness, to, intentionality, to, two middle fingers in the air towards dad, you know, like, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so you can provoke an, an infant too. So anyway, yeah. And then it's a matter of trying to figure it out. Okay. Now he's, <laughs> now he's older, you know, 12, 13 yeah. years old. Okay. Yeah, so now right. how do we, how do we not provoke to anger? How do we, how do we pull down on, you know, come back off the ledge a little bit and, and we can talk a little bit about, um, what to do instead, which we'll get there in a moment. I just wanted to share a couple other thoughts about this before we move on. Uh, the first is just to share the message translation because I resonate with that one. It says, fathers, don't frustrate your children with no-win scenarios. Mm-hmm. And and I love that because I'll, I actually won't necessarily share the specific story, but but I, I presented Jackson with a no-win scenario just a few days ago at Halloween. Um, so Literally like, okay, that hits home, right? So, okay, I'm not, am I exasperating him? Well, not intentionally, but I'm presenting him with a no-win scenario. So, of course, he's going to feel frustrated. And of course, he's going to get mad. And of course, he's going to be angered. And I'm the one who sort of provoked that, right? So, yep. maybe fathers think about ways that that you're set, basically setting your kids up for failure uh, and, and sort of presenting them with a no-win scenario would do that. And then the final yeah. thing I would say is... You know, I think I think a lot of pastors, a lot of other men of faith that I've talked to certainly view the Bible as inerrant. It is the perfect word of God, cannot be altered or, or changed in any way whatsoever. I'm about to violate that. <laughs> uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, Paul chose the word exasperate. Okay, so that's the only word, like that was intentional. That's from God. That's like, that's what we're not supposed to do as fathers. Yes, I completely agree. You're right. We just talked about that and what that means and what that word means and all of that. But when I read this verse, and part of the reason I think it's such a good foundational verse, at least for me personally, thinking about how to be a father is, I almost sort of view that part of the verse as a fill in the blank. Fathers Mm -hmm. don't blank your children. In other words, what words, as you're listening to this, fathers, could you fill in there that you also know you're not supposed to do in this context with your children? Because you might be thinking, okay, I don't don't really push their buttons a lot. I don't think that I have a huge issue with exasperating my children, but I shame them. I tear them down. I fill in the blank. Yeah, and so that's just a thought for you guys. I don't know that you know. I let's put it this way. I I feel that in my spirit that that's an okay way to sort of think about this first half of the verse. So take it for what you will, uh, and I'll be interested to hear your thoughts on that, Perry. But I know for me, okay, I don't want to exasperate my children, but I can very easily come up with a few other words to fill in there, and specifically that word shame. So fathers, don't shame your children. This is an issue that I particularly struggle with, perhaps even sure. more so than exasperating them, because I, I do okay, I think, at, at pulling back off the ledge, despite the examples I've just given, which, which I, I certainly fall victim to. I, I, I tend to be pretty good at calming situations and, and knowing when I'm pushing buttons and so forth, but I struggle with my wording sometimes and how sure. I choose to instruct to where it tips over into shame. How many times do I have to tell you blah, 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 right. blah, blah. That's shaming them. You know, if I if I have to tell you one more time, like, can't you get it through your thick head? Like, shaming. Uh, a perfect example. So my son, Jackson, this happened literally just yesterday. Yesterday, um, One of Jackson's chores is to get the eggs. He, he collects the eggs from our chickens. And our chickens lay in three spots. They have laid in the same three spots for like, Five years. I mean, there's just the three spots you go to look for eggs. And Jackson, 
so yesterday I went down and I was, you know, doing some hay for the horses and just doing some things. And I was like, okay, I'll quickly look to see if there are any more eggs. I'll just grab an egg or two in case some of the chickens have laid since Jackson last got them or whatever. Because Jackson, I know, had just gone down to get the eggs. And and I went to one of the three places where they lay eggs and there was like this huge clutch. There were like five or six eggs there. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, how, like, how is yeah. this possible? So I went up as a Jackson, like, did you forget to do the eggs? No, I literally just did the eggs. So what do I do? I said, you know, Jackson, how is it possible that you have been collecting eggs for five years and you still can't remember to check one of three spots? Like, how hard is it? That's shaming. Sure. That's just that's just my word choice is shaming Jackson. Yeah. A better approach would have been, hey, Jackson. You know, I noticed that you forgot to check one of the three spots. You know, what do you think might be a good solution to help you remember to check the three spots every single day for eggs? Sure. How different, how different are those two approaches to that situation? Why is my default to attack him, to shame him, right? So fathers don't exasperate your children. Fathers don't shame your children. Fathers don't belittle your children. Fathers don't criticize your children in public. Fathers like so that's just an interpretation of this verse that I think may help some of you guys listening is my guess is there are certain verbs that are coming to mind that you know are are the key for you to be that next level father. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think that you hit the nail on the head there because you know you started the podcast by saying the word is living, right? And so, yes, scripture is the, you know, end all be all authority and, and the Holy Spirit's, yeah, and the Holy Spirit's direction in our hearts and minds and spirits is part of the word being alive, you know? And so I think it's a great exercise to, walk in that fill in the blank. And I am a person who lives very much a theology of um, the spirit of the law versus the letter of the law. And I think that that, you know, doing, creating, you know, an opportunity for a fill in the blank in this scripture is, is that. And I think it speaks to both of those two things that scripture is alive and we have a, a God who's alive and well. And if, if, you know, we are saved um, by the grace of, you know, God and by acceptance of Jesus in our hearts, then the scripture is clear to say that we have God indwelling within us. And so that's where a lot of that comes from. The fill in the blank doesn't come from Brett's genius or Perry's, you know, ingenuity. It comes from the Holy Spirit, God, you know, almighty indwelling us, whispering those realities into our minds and into our spirits. And so I think that's a great exercise to do. And I, I'm excited about it. I'm going to spend some time this week meditating on fill in the blank. Like, what does that mean for me? Like, Hey Lord, please show me how, you know, I've got a, you know, an opportunity for, you know, some improvement in my own fathering in my own life and maybe in ways that I haven't realized yet. You know, there are ways that I have reflected on in the past and I know I need to work on this, but, uh, you know, Lord, show me a new way that I'm, you know, um, operating and, and an opportunity to grow. And so uh, I'm excited about doing that internal work myself. And I, I challenge the listeners to do the same. And I'm really grateful that you brought it up in that context, because I, like I said, I have studied this verse a lot in my life and I haven't studied it with that light in mind. And so thanks for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. And I'll be curious to hear from you guys, the listeners, if you want to shoot us an email and, and share on social yeah. media, just any words that might might come to come, come to mind for you guys in terms of the fill in the blank. So Ephesians 6, 4, fathers, he's speaking to us. Do not exasperate your children. Part three, instead, all right, so now our ears perk up, right? Let's let's settle here for just a moment. We don't need to spend a ton of time here, but but this is obviously a clear transition. Instead, okay, he's about to is about to tell us what to do instead. And we'll get there because the instruction is clear. We're not supposed to do this. Don't exasperate your children. Instead, we are supposed to do this. But just like we talked about the word is alive, you know, my mind immediately went to, okay, 
yes, we'll, we'll focus on what we are told to do instead. But but what if we also just do the opposite of exasperate? <laughs> so so obviously, if we're not supposed to exasperate, what's the opposite of that? So a quick thesaurus.com look at some antonyms for the word exasperate. And I just wanted to share these. Comfort. Comfort. Why don't we comfort our kids? Don't exasperate them. Comfort them. Yeah. Don't provoke them to anger. Pacify them. Don't exasperate them. Please them. Delight them. So these are these are antonyms for the word exasperate. And if you listen to oh, a handful of episodes ago where we talked about the beloved son, right? Part of what we're supposed to be doing is raising the beloved son or daughter, helping them feel like they are our beloved. Well, how can we delight them? What are ways that as we're going through our day-to-day life, we can just delight them? We can make them happy. We can gladden them. We can help them. We can assist them, right? So these are all sort of antonyms for... Yeah. For uh, for that word, uh, exasperate and and again, this isn't scriptural. This is Brett responding a little bit to what I feel like the Holy Spirit sort of put on my heart when I was thinking about this. And yes, we're going to talk about the rest of the verse here now in a moment and what we are instructed to do. But it certainly can't hurt to do some of these things as well: comfort, pacify, right. please, delight our kids. Yeah, that's right. I love it. All right. And as you talk about those words. I can't help but see the analogy of how the Heavenly Father treats me. Uh, God's never exasperated me before. And I would venture to guess he's never done that to you. And I would venture to guess he's never done it to a single one of the listeners of the show. And if maybe someone thinks that God has exasperated them, maybe they're misinterpreting a life event, right? But, uh, But has God ever comforted me? Well, yeah quite a bit. Has God pacified me? Sure. Has he brought me pleasure and delight? Absolutely. Has he uplifted me? Has he equipped me? Yes, all the time. And so I think, you know, one of my main objectives as I strive to be the best father I can be is to look at the parallel. If I'm about to do something in a fatherly way towards my kid, I ask myself, has God fathered me in this manner? And if he hasn't, then why are you doing well, it? <laughs> right. Has God ever yelled at me? Nope. Has he, has he, you know, belittled me? Nope. Has he set me up for failure? Not usually, you know? So anyway, that's another thing that I wanted to, to add into that is it's, you know, I can just, as you talk about those words, comfort, pacify, please, it's just oozing with God's goodness towards me. And I'm so thankful that he treats me in that way, you know, even when I don't deserve it, right? Even when he's taught me something, you know, for 10 years, I've, you know, I've been doing something for 10 years, not five, you know, and it's like, I still don't get it right, but God is still patient and kind and loving with me in the midst of it. And that's a beautiful thing. And that's a perfect segue actually to then what we are supposed to do. And I think what you just talked about gets at the heart of this idea of training, of discipline. That is what we are instructed to do. So we're not going to exasperate our kids or any of the other fill-in-the-blank words. We are going to try to positive, comfort, pacify, please. But here's what we are instructed to do scripturally. Bring them up, quote, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And those are two, you know, when I first read it, I was like, training and instruction, like, aren't those the same thing? No, I mean... Paul used two different words for a clear and distinct reason. So, so let's talk about that. And and I think certainly, you know, skipping ahead a little bit, inherent in the word training is what you're talking about. Sometimes it takes work and effort. It might take years. You said the Lord's been working on certain things in your life for five years. Yeah. Yeah. It takes some training. So we might know what the instruction is, but now we need the training to fully ingrain it and implement it in our own lives, transitioning to how we're thinking about now as fathers, bringing our own kids up. What does that look like? So, you know, I certainly have some thoughts on this, but what are, what are your thoughts initially, Perry, when you're reading this? What does it mean to bring our kids up and quote the training and yep. instruction of the Lord? Sure. 
Sure. And I want to add that, you know, a little bit different uh, version and the word discipline, you know, I'd love to start with that if that's okay with you. But, and it's kind of like what I was alluding to a minute ago, but God's discipline for us is gentle and patient and kind. Now that doesn't mean he, uh, you know, doesn't address things that we need to grow in and, and change in. Uh, he does address those things, but it's not like I was saying before. It's not a, a shaming like you were talking about. It's not a berating. It's not a, you know, so the the training of the Lord, I think, is how does God train us? Well, he trains us with patience. He trains us with, um, you know, a, 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 an outlook at the big picture. He trains us with a vision of who we can be. He looks at our you know, forgiven state of perfection. He's not looking at our shortcomings and highlighting our shortcomings and focusing in on, you know, how come we can't get it right? You know, how come we can't, how come we don't have this figured out yet? But he's focusing on these are the ways to do them. And here's the other thing. He gives us free will. You know, a lot of times for me as a dad, it's like, well, you better do this because I said so right? You better obey me because you have to. Well, that's not how God's training works. He says, hey, here's the best path. Here's my way of doing things. Let me teach you how to do it. Let me show you how to do it. And uh, guess what? It's your choice. So I think that's a major way that he, that he uh, instructs and, and trains us, you know, is by laying it out. But then ultimately, he gave us free will. So we can either do that or not. You know, and I think for me, that's something that I really strive to do with my kids. And it's something I strive to do better. Um, you know, oftentimes I think if I give them a training, then that equates to it better be done that way every time. <laughs> but God gives us room for grace in the midst of that training. He does. And how often in life do we ever get something the first time? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, never. Almost never. Yeah. And that's where the training comes in as well, because it's one thing to know what we are instructed to do. And you're exactly right. You can either do it or not. But I think part of our our job, certainly as fathers, is to help help our kids understand that some things will serve you and some things won't. And if you choose not to follow God's instruction, you have the free will to do that. But but there's not going to be life there. It's not life giving if you choose to go down that path. Yeah, I think there are it, natural consequences. There are natural consequences. I think in our family, and as I'm reflecting on sort of this this yin and yang between instruction and training, uh, and you actually alluded to it earlier when you were talking about times when you feel like you rise to the level of exasperating your own kids is when you feel like maybe your authority is being questioned. I think it's so cool, though, if you think about how the first two parts of Ephesians 6 do play together then, right? The children are instructed to obey their parents. Well, if they would just obey me, then I wouldn't have to exasperate them. You know? Yeah. Right, so if they do their job, it makes my job easier. And by the way, if I do my job well, man, how much easier is it going to be for my kids to honor me, right, and obey me because I'm loving and I build them up and I'm pleasing them, and That's they right. want to they want to obey me. And there's just this really cool yin and yang that that works together seamlessly. Here's the key: if both parties are upholding their end of the bargain, yeah. The problem becomes the fact that we're human, that we have fallen, that we are sinners, and that one or both parties don't always uphold their end of the bargain. So the question now becomes, how do I do it anyway? How do I please my kids and not exasperate them even when they're misbehaving and not obeying me? How do my kids obey and honor me even if I'm being a jerk? And to bring it back to fathering and this yin and yang really between, I think, instruction and training, just peeling back the curtain on sort of our own family. And one of the things that has sort of been a central theme in in sort of what I'm working with my kids on right now is exactly this. And specifically, 
this idea that how we treat each other, how you, Jackson, treat your brother, Ben, how you, Ben, treat, uh, treat your brother, Jackson, cannot be dependent on how they are treating you. That's right. And so here's the instruction, right? And so this is, to me is the difference. Here's the instruction. Luke 6 chapter Luke chapter 6 verse 3. And this is this is the instruction, this is the verse that I point my boys to every time they're fighting in the car. It says, "And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you?" Like even sinners do that. That's the instruction. Right. The instruction is, "No, love your enemy." Yep. So Anybody, and this is what I tell them, anybody can be nice to your brother when your brother's being nice to you. The question is, how do you uplift your brother even if he's being a jerk? That's right. And so it's a nonstop battle on our car rides to school where they start fighting, you know, as brothers do. But Ben, blah, 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 blah. Well, I would be nice to him except Ben always does. Stop right there, Jackson. Like, no, not but Ben. God's word doesn't say only be nice to him if he's nice to you. No, even sinners can do that. Even the wicked do that. Like, that's easy. What's hard is being nice to your brother when he's pestering you, when he's in your room, when he's doing things you don't want him to do. And it goes both ways. Now, I'm not picking on Jackson. It it goes back to Ben. And I tell my boys, anytime the first words out of your mouth are, but Jackson, but Ben, stop, stop. Like, let's... So this is where the training comes in, right? Because I can't just, hey, let me cite Luke 6, 3 to you boys. Like, here's what Jesus said. Okay, that's easy. My parenting is done. Like, that's the instruction of the Lord. You're Okay, you got it, right? No. Check. Now the training comes in. I must have this conversation with them four out of five days a week. And it's like hitting my head against a brick wall. And it's frustrating yeah. for me. Yeah. And it's challenging for me, but it's where the training comes in, right? I mean, if you're learning a new technique in kickboxing or you're not going to get it the first time, you have to train it. To me, training is repetition. The element of training is hard work. That's right. There are easy solutions. If you, if you, uh, you know, criticize your brother one more time, I'm taking away your screen time for the rest of the week. That, that's the easy solution. That's just, that's just the easy solution. The hard solution is the training approach. Okay, Jackson, how might you spin what you just said in a positive way and and say something that's uplifting to your brother? And then yeah, he rebels. Let's you know, try it. So and then then there's crickets and chirping and and then he's. But then I'm I'm trying to train like how how can you see your brother the way God sees him? How do you think God sees your brother? Yeah. How do you think God created your brother? That's right. How are, how, are there ways, how would you like it if he were treating you this way, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? So like that's the training is the repetition, the hard work. And that's certainly like pointing the fingers at ourselves. God's, I, I can point to areas in my own life where God's been training me for years and years on the same issue. It's not easy. It doesn't necessarily get solved overnight. You've alluded to the same thing in your own life. But as fathers now, what does it mean in bringing up our own kids Men, like, we're kind of in for some hard work. Like, it takes time, right. it takes discipline, and it takes training to stick with it until the lessons are learned. That's right. It takes intention and continued faithful pursuit. It takes patience. It takes being engaged over time. You know, it's like the instruction is like the the title of the chapter of a book, and the training is all the words in the whole chapter. You know, it's like the instruction is uh, the CrossFit workout on the board that you read it. Okay, this is what we're going to do today. And then the training is actually getting on that stinking rower, you know, and pulling it and pulling it and pulling it and then running, going, doing burpees. And then, going, you know, the training is the doing. It's the doing. And as God is training us, he is right with us. And he is with us in a loving and understanding and patient, yet speaking the truth type of reality. You know, God's not, God's not giving us an untruth. You know, he's holding the line. He's saying, hey, here's, the, here's what we're striving for. This is what we're after. Um, you know, he's not watering things down for the training. 
but it is ongoing hard work together pursuit and that's the beauty of it you know it's the it's the long distance game the training part and it's the debriefing it's the talking about it's the asking provoking questions like you're saying you know and i love that you know and it's it's great but i think a lot of times as dads we can fall into the trap that the instruction is enough and it's not enough is it a vital role absolutely you got to have the instruction there so that, you know, the kids know what to expect. They know where we're going. They know the standard. They know the objective. But it's, you know, it's a two-edged sword. It needs both it needs both sides to be a balanced equation. We've got to do the training. And the training takes a long time. And I think sometimes for me, you know, I want that easy, easy route, that easy path, you know, the quick win, so to speak. Oh, well, I, I told you how to do this. Boom. That's it. Well, it's much more than that. It's much deeper than that. And the beauty is the bond that is created between me and the Lord through lengthy overtime training is beautiful. And the bond that we can form with our children is an amazing lifelong, Lord willing, lifelong, you know, connection. And it's not the instruction that makes that connection. It's not the, it's not that, that's not what builds that bond. It's the training that builds that bond, you know, relationships that are formed through hardship are more connected. Yes. And the training is the hard work. It is the hardship. And so, you know, if we're feeling a little bit overwhelmed or it's a little daunting to think about that task of, oh man, I'm going to train my kids, you know, I'm so busy. I've got all these things pulling up my attention. I've got, you know, the worries of the world, et cetera, et cetera. Well, yeah, maybe we do, but guess what? The hard work of the training is worth it. And, uh, for me there, it's a, it's a twofold win. I'm sure it's more than just two, but our kids actually get trained and they get, you know, um, they, they grow in their capacity to live out life in, in the things that we're trying to grow and train them in which is, you know, the way of the Lord and, uh, B there, we have created a stronger bond and a stronger connection with them through that process. If we've done it, if we've done it the right way, you know, if we've done it, the, the shaming and berating and setting them up for failure and all that, well, we're not building bond. We're building, you know, resentment and frustration and, and all those things. But if we're doing it in the right way, we're building love and adoration and respect and, and connectedness. And that's, that's the beauty of the journey, I think. Yes, absolutely. Well, as we wrap this up, I've been incredibly encouraged and, and empowered, really, I think, by this conversation. I have loved it, have a lot of new ideas. And, and I'm really excited to have this verse as the foundation, as sort of the cornerstone of faithful fatherhood to look back on and reference and to think about and grow with and have new revelation about. And certainly, we'll revisit it and talk about it in future episodes. But as we wrap up this episode, I just have two final thoughts that I want to share to encourage you guys, the listeners, uh, and then just also um, just sort of an important reminder for all of us. And the first one is, is to pray. Because ultimately, it's easy to feel like when we read a verse like this, that the weight is on our shoulders as fathers to not exasperate our kids, to train them, to instruct them, to raise them up. And you know what? But we have some help. We have the Holy right. Spirit. We have God to help us. You know, anytime that I feel like it's my job, like Jackson, why can't you get it through your thick skull? Okay, I'm shaming him. I'm not going to shame him. But the point is, how come you can't get this? Well, what if the Holy Spirit speaks to him? Yeah. So I can speak to him. But if there are areas where you feel like your kids just aren't, no matter how much you train, no matter how much you instruct, no, how, no matter how much you feel like you're doing all you can as a father and it's still not working, it will work. It might take some time. It might take some repetition. It might take some, some training, some long-term discipline. But it also might just require the help of the Holy Spirit. And so I would just, I would just say pray about that. Ask for help in those areas where you feel like you are not getting through in your own strength and see what happens. And I think what you'll see happen is, is breakthrough. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when we talk about praying, it's twofold. One, you know, in your own private personal prayer time, 
pray over the situation. Pray for God to soften your kid's heart. Pray for your kid to learn these ways that you're trying to teach. Pray for your own capacity to increase the um, successfulness of your training. But then also uh, pray with your kid about it. You know, in, in the moment, if you're having a discussion with your kid for the 15th time, you know, in the last three days, <laughs> well, maybe you're talking about it too much. But anyway, um, if you're having, you know, a repeated conversation, maybe the conversation isn't working and you can actually take it to the Lord together. And that's another uh, incredibly powerful and effective strategy and tool to implement in your in your parenting approach. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. And then the final thing that I would also say is, and this is this is me speaking to me, is if we are instructed to bring our kids up in the instruction of the Lord, I kind of know need to know what the instruction of the Lord is. That's right. That's right. And so, guys, we need to go to the Word more. I, I need to read more of the Bible. I need to know what Jesus instructs. So yes. where do we get that instruction? Where do we find that? I would I would point you to two places. Maybe you're listening to this and you just, you know, you just don't spend a lot of time in the Word. You feel like I don't know the Bible very well. I don't. Okay, great. We're, like, where do you start? Um, I would say read the red words in your Bible. So I always start there. What does Jesus actually say? Not what does Paul say through revelation from God, which is also truth. I love Paul. I love you know. I love the New Testament and all of his letters. But I really love what Jesus has to teach. Read the Sermon on the Mount about loving your enemies, about all of turning, you know, all of those types of instructions. Um, So read the red words in your Bible and then read the Proverbs. There's so much good instruction in the Proverbs about what what is life-giving, what what steals life. And um, so obviously there's lots of stuff to read in the Bible. It's all good instruction. But to me, I would just sort of encourage you to start there because if we don't know God's word, how are we supposed to instruct our kids with God's word? And so again, this is this is me preaching to me, but it's like, let's make a daily discipline for ourselves to immerse ourselves in the word, uh, surround ourselves with, with people who can teach us the word and just make sure that we that we have things to give to our kids because we don't. If we don't have it ourselves, how are we going to bring our kids up in the training and instruction of the Lord? Yeah, that's that's a that's a home run right there, Brett. And and if anybody's listening, they're going, "What is he talking about?" The red words, you know, uh, it's Jesus's uh, voice. Maybe you have a Bible that doesn't have red words, or maybe you're looking at one on an app or computer screen. Um, and if you're trying to just get into reading the Bible, the Book of John is a fantastic place to start. So. Um, if you just dive into John and kind of read through that a little bit at a time, or even if maybe you've read John a hundred times, guess what? It's still amazing. Guess what? The word is alive. And I've, I can't count the number of times that I've read through the book of John, but every single time I go back and, and read through it, oh, wow, guess what? Something new pops up because I'm a different person now than I was, you know, 10 years ago. And so um yeah the book of john is a great place to start and then another cool thing to piggyback on your uh suggestion of proverbs well that's one of my favorite books in the bible i love the book of proverbs and there are 31 proverbs and so i've spent many of my years off and on um i haven't done it lately but i'm getting ready to start uh today actually because of this podcast uh with 31 proverbs um you can read one per day uh, each month. And, you know, uh, for the month of November today, as the, at the time of recording is the second. So at lunch, my lunch break today, I'm going to crack, uh, open the Bible, whether it be the physical or a digital and look at Proverbs two. get a little spiritual food in the middle of the day while I'm on a lunch break. And, um, that would be a great encouragement uh, to all the listeners as well. You know, one proverb a day, uh, over the course of the month. And then when I get to a new month, guess what? I don't quit. I just go back to one again and reread through it. And I will tell you that my life has been greatly enriched and been made better because of the time that I've spent in the book of Proverbs. I'll typically read through the the chapter and um, just kind of listen for one or two verses that really stand out to me 
as impactful or meaningful. And then I'll kind of try to focus on that one or two verses, you know, kind of throughout the day. Uh, so that's how I typically will dissect um, the book of Proverbs. So I'm really pumped that you brought that up. I will do that with you. I'd never really heard that way of treating Proverbs. I love that as well. So a proverb a day. So I, I will also read Proverbs too, although by the time this episode uh, actually publishes, uh, yeah. maybe it's the 17th. <laughs> like I don't know what day it's going to be, but whatever day we're on, right. read that proverb yeah. and then just keep cycling yeah. through. So no, that's that's a great way to end it. Thank you for sharing that, Perry. And, uh, and thank you guys for being faithful fathers and for joining us, for sharing your time with us today. I hope you have been as blessed by Ephesians 6.4 as Perry and I have. And man, we have a lot of good stuff coming, coming your way. Like I said, some really interesting guests lined up, lots of themes and topics to continue to unpack to help us all become more faithful fathers. So click that follow button. Make sure you're alerted every time we drop new episodes. We will sign off for now, but talk with you again next time on the Faithful Fatherhood Podcast. Take care, everyone. I'm trying, I'm trying.